Listening to the flip side with Noah Filipiak, connecting the reality of the gospel to the grit of life. You can support the podcast at patreon.com slash Noah Filipiak or at noahfilipiak.com slash give. What up? What up, y'all? Welcome to episode 57. Heinz yeah. 57 episode of the Flipside Podcast. I am here with my co-host. Chase Stansel. What's up, Chase? Yo, what up? Heinz 57, which is basically just bougie ketchup. (laughs) So here's the thing. I eat Heinz ketchup. I eat A1. I have never had Heinz 57 sauce like that. Who even eats that? What is that? I don't even know what that is. People who like bougie ketchup. All right. <laughs> we got to work on getting a Heinz 57 sponsor on the flip side. Well, well, I mean, so we can't now because the next time you do this, it's going to be 58, so it won't matter. We, so the next thing you have sponsored to do is like, this episode. Yeah. What? How many flavors of ice cream does Baskin Robbins have? I don't know. Have? Huh. Okay. But Heinz 57 sales are going to skyrocket uh, because of the conversation that we just because had. Because we're talking about it. We're talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, welcome back to the flip side. We missed you. We had to do an episode without you last time. It was sad and lonely. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. I'm back. Back in the mix. Back in the and mix. Ready to to make it happen. Uh, so how? So you said it was sad and it was lonely. How did you pull yourself through? How did I pull myself through? Lots of tears. Uh, Lots of tears. Fetal position. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah. So, before I forget, because I will forget. I, I don't, my brain just is it's very slippery. Uh, tell us about Anointed Boy Records. Tell us about oh, wow. music. Why tell us are a- you asking me about that? I see. Okay. So, Anointed Boy Records. Okay. Um, it is my new... Uh, independent artist label and that can feel weird because if there's a label then they can't be independent artists that's not true um uh it's so ultimately as an independent artist it has to do with you know how who's funding it who's pushing it and all of that stuff and so an order boy records is for the development of independent gospel and christian artists um there are lots of um you know labels and organizations for developing pop artists and different things like that we just don't have a lot of um things that are out there for developing gospel and christian artists and so the goal is to work alongside an independent gospel or christian artist help them to develop their music and their brand and their style um and for that first project so to speak and then after they release that then they kind of go and take all that they've been able to gain and grow and learn and kind of continue to um operate as independent artists some of them will pursue um you know being signed with a major record label and some will just continue to be um you know 
now well-equipped independent artists. And so, but the goal is really to, to develop and cultivate a culture of independent artistry within the gospel and Christian genre. So, yeah. Nice, nice, um, nice. Yeah, so nice. it's exciting. So where uh, where can listeners go to, one, listen to music that you're producing or performing yourself? And mm-hmm. what if there's some aspiring musicians out there that want to get in on this where would they go so uh i my name you know i guess my my legal my government name is anointed boy (laughs) is chase stancil okay um but uh but my artist name is chase rashad and so if you're looking for any of my music you can um just you can literally any like spotify itunes um apple music whatever just type in chase rashad um r-a-s-h-a-d i'm glad you spelled that for the the white people out there that don't know how to see so (laughs) i got you bro i got you oh and so you can uh (laughs) Um, so you can listen to um, you know some things that I've uh, put out, or you can, um, um, and I've got a Facebook page, which is probably the easiest way to get to the website as well. Um, and um, Anointed Boy uh, Records is the Facebook page, and there's a link on there to the website. There's All right, lots of stuff on the website as you can hear as well. So nice. videos and different things like that. Yeah, yeah, nice. And I I should mention I thoroughly enjoyed sipping from my angry brew coffee while you explained uh, Anointed Boy Records to our audience. And if (laughs) the audience next time would like to sip from their own angry brew while listening to the flip side, they can do that. They can go to angrybrew.com or fivelakes.com and use promo code FLIP and get 10% off their order. And then Five Lakes sees that promo code and they go, oh, wow, a listener actually bought coffee from us. Maybe we'll continue to sponsor Noah's podcast. So flip. There it is. Boom, baby. Sip Come on, the flip angry up out of my So check Come this on, out. Flip up out of my I'm going to use- do this. Let's go. Let's go. I'm going <laughs> to use that to jump into our mailbag. So yeah. uh, let's dust off the dirty old dusty mailbag here. Mail so if you remember our our episode two two episodes ago so for those who are just listening and just meeting chase the first time chase and i co-hosted episode 55 together uh and we talked about gentrification which is a big word to make you sound really smart we talked about redlining so check that out actually frankly chase i'm telling you lots of downloads on that episode so we we definitely uh, let's go hit a topic hit a topic people like or i think people just like you uh more than me so they're listening extra no about that Uh, so i mean uh we got an email from al flipopotamus (laughs) wait I am the grand. I'm the grandfather. The grandfather fl- flipopotamus. Uh, we got an email in the mailbag from Alan, and Alan is a is a regular listener. So shout out, Alan. I love you. I okay, love wait, all. Wait, wait, wait. How in the world did you get an email in the e- in the mailbag? Oh <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good question. I am actually supposed to say what the email address is. So we have an email address. All you have to do is email it well, as a put, listener. Well, who put it in the bag though? I don't know the little <laughs> mail fairy. Okay, wait, 
The, <laughs> the mail fairy put it in the okay, bag. All right, all right, okay, we, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. All right, so you can email the show podcast at beyondthebattle.net because I'm not buying another URL for this podcast because I already have like eight of them. Podcast at beyondthebattle.net. You can email the show just like Alan did. Alan is a great example. He's an example model listener. Oh, speaking of model listeners, I have one more thing I knew I would forget. Listen, Chase, I need my listeners. Flip upon him. This is for real, legit. So I talked to you about the fetal position, tears. Okay, we need more ranking ratings on itunes we need ratings mm. on itunes okay so this is the deal uh, i know you you live busy lives listeners so in the show notes i wrote out exactly how to leave a review on itunes so it's 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 just step by step go leave a review here's the deal we have some sweet Flipside swag. In fact, the cover photo of this episode is Chase and I holding up our beloved Flip Upon My mugs, which is an example. Which I did get. You did get. It's an example of the sweet swag you can get from the Flipside. Those are normally only reserved for Patreon donors. Patreon.com slash Noah But, but here's the deal. Anybody that goes and leaves a review on iTunes between now and... Uh, let's see. This is uh, middle of November, so between now and Christmas, it'll be my. Um, between now and Christmas, you're going to go into a drawing, and one of you will get selected to get some free swag sent your way. You could get coffee. You can get your own Angry Brew, uh, or you could get a number of sweet flipside swags. So, uh, I, 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 my brain is just clicking on all cylinders here as as I open up Alan's <laughs> Alan's uh, email. So, so Alan, being the model listener, uh, I hope has left a review. If not, Alan, you need to uh, you need to you need to live up to your name of being the model listener. And uh, come on, and Alan, leave we a, believe in you. Leave a review. All right. So here's how he starts out his email. Noah, you were doing good, but Chase adds a lot. What am I supposed to – what is he trying to say there, Chase? Come on, Alan. So you know what, Alan? I appreciate you, okay? <laughs> you know what? Uh, every – I was telling my son a few uh, few months ago on his birthday, like, everybody needs someone who's willing to just, you know, blow him up, puff him up a little bit. That's I appreciate right. you, Alan. I don't know how to take that. It sounded like a backhanded compliment to me. He's like, you, you were doing good, but – Chase adds a lot. I agree, Alan. It's Ch- okay. Chase you does were doing good. You, he did, does you needed me, bro. You needed me, bro. I know. Okay, we're a good team. We're a good team. <laughs> uh, he says, I'm with him. I'm with Chase. Starbucks regular coffee is like raking my throat with sandpaper, <laughs> and it's crazy expensive here in Jersey. Listen, Alan. Oh, my God. Drinking- You're from Jersey? Yes. Some- hey, Alan, my family's in Jersey. Okay, See? sorry, go ahead. My See? bad, Noah. You guys are probably, <laughs> you're probably cousins or something. Alan, <laughs> drinking, first of all, drinking Starbucks coffee is not like raking your throat with sandpaper. I want you, Alan, to go take some sandpaper and rake your throat with it. I assume you mean the inside of your throat. So just stick it down your mouth and rake it back and forth five or six times and, t- and Don't do that. write down how it feels in a journal. And then maybe after a week when your throat heals, drink a cup of Starbucks and write that down in the journal. And I promise you it is not the same feeling. You're being dramatic, Noah. You and I both know that Starbucks is not where it's at. 
Okay. So don't, don't. Look. Hey, Alan, you don't have to do that. Alan, you're, you are absolutely right. It is like drinking sandpaper. <laughs> so, Look, don't do it. I never knew until our episode last time that Starbucks was such a polarizing uh, you know, here on the flip side, we talk about a lot of polarizing issues. Uh, we're going to get into many today. The first of them being Starbucks. Never knew that it was so polarizing. <laughs> so, flip upon him. I, I, I'd like to hear from you uh, on what side of this, uh, p- what side of the polarized landscape you fall on. All right, let's keep going. He says, "I enjoyed your discussion of gentrification. There's no quick or easy solutions." Uh, he writes some good stuff about gentrification, but I want to get into his question here for us because this is really going to be the bulk of our conversation today. And he says, hopefully you guys will talk about critical race theory. To be honest, I'm a bit lost over the whole thing. As I understand it, it's more of a philosophy of how you view things uh, more than a fixed set of ideas. But what I don't understand is why so many Christians view it as a threat. Is it to faith or the church or the country? Why is looking at history and focusing on race bad or dangerous? How will things ever move forward if we're not allowed or we refuse to see the past? I really don't get all the controversy, but I'm betting you guys do. That's a big bet. It's a big wager that you're waging there, Alan, that Chase and I get the controversy. Uh, thanks, Alan. Thanks for that email. So, so Chase, we're going to start there. We're going to tackle CRT, critical race theory. And, and honestly, I, I'd love to hear, uh, your perspective on just the, there's a a word that I like to preface when I use it because it's a funny word to use, but it's a good word. The cultural milieu, milieu, cultural milieu. That's I don't a know good if I word. Like that word. Uh, the, the the around you know your world and and maybe you know you could share if you want what that is as a black church planter of a multi ethnic church but in a predominantly white denomination and just catch me up. You and I have never talked about this. Catch listeners up yeah. on 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 kind of the the all the all the craziness that you've heard uh, on, on both sides about CRT and go from there, and then I'll kind of do the same uh, when you're done. So, yeah. Um, I, so my, my, initial re- my initial reaction to the conversation is that it's big, but to be completely honest, it's not that big. I, and that, that, I don't, that's not to diminish the, the controversy, but it is to, I think we do have to place it rightfully where it is. I, um, this is just like everything else in the last couple of years, over politicized, over like, you know, controversialized, if that's a real word, like it, um, it, the, the, the basic foundations of what critical race theory are. Yes. Alan, to your point, it is a philosophy. It's not, I mean, there are, there are not a lot of quote unquote set standards for what critical race theory are, excuse me, critical race theory is, but there are some shared understandings of what that is. And the, the, the basic foundation of that is while race is not a biological truth, um, it's not a biological fact, 
it is a social construct that um, has had impact on the outcomes of every single thing that plays out in our society's um, norms or reality. Um, at some point, race plays out in education, um, or excuse me, uh, race and the social construct of race and racism play out in education, um, they play out in home ownership, they play out in um, employment, it plays out in who you um, associate with in terms of friendships and even relationships, even romantic relationships, all of those things, race, the social construct of race has its hands touching everything. Um, and, and, and so be, and because of how we've lived out race, um, utilizing race as a way of saying that some people groups are, um, uh, are kind of higher in the construct than others and some lower, those who are lower in the totem pole, um, experience a more hardship in that society than those who are on the higher, like that, that is what critical race theory is from a foundational standpoint. Now, just like anything else, in, you know, in our, you know, any other philosophy, other things get added to that. Um, and people expound upon it and mature it in some unique ways, but that's the foundations of it. Is that what you would also kind of like describe as the foundations of it, Noah, or would you add more or take away something? Uh, I think for me, um, my interest in CRT I don't know if I if I like my interest is in the reaction to it by mm. white evangelicals and pieces of pieces of their reaction and I um, pieces of their reaction where I go okay let's 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 examine like what people are so upset about right so I think what you described is is accurate you know when I when I read about it I go so I started back in 2010. Uh, going to these understanding racism trainings uh, through a, a Grand Rapids group called CORE, Congregations oh, yeah. Organizing for Racial Reconciliation. And, you know, the whole training was just awesome. It just changed my my perspective on on the world and ministry and race. And as I st and I, I've went to three of those uh, three day workshops. I've went to many of their their smaller events. We started a chapter in Lansing that I believe 40 churches have been represented at now. Um, and so when I started reading about CRT, I went, oh, that's pretty much everything we learned in those workshops, right? <laughs> and I kind of thought, what are people so upset about? And so, so like, I think it's what's important. And that's what, that's what really interests me. Um, so, so what's important is to know, uh, like, Chase, do you know who Josh McDowell is? Does that name ring a bell from your upbringing at all? So he wrote uh, back in the day. Like, I know, I know, like the like McDowell family. They started the McDowell restaurants, Mc but maybe that's, maybe that was just coming to America. That's a that different, was coming to America. That's a okay, different McDees. That's a different McDees. <laughs> okay, this, never mind. This never mind. Mc, this McDee family is. Uh, well known in the white conservative oh. uh, evangelical oh, world okay. back in the day uh, like back in the 80s when i was a kid maybe it was 90s josh mcdowell wrote this book called uh more than a carpenter and it was a uh, an apologetics book about jesus and whatever it was fine okay. so because of that he sort of has like life lifelong christian celebrity pass 
because of that book, right? Um, so Christianity Today, I, I, I ran into this article recently. Uh, Josh McDowell steps back from ministry after race remarks. And so, uh, you know, right now, I, he, he, you know, Josh McDowell has like Josh McDowell Ministries. I don't, don't know what they do. Frank, I haven't not kept up with him. Uh, but uh, it says the talk entitled The Five Greatest Global Epidemics. So that's the title of his talk. Uh, the first, he said, was critical race theory. So Josh McDowell is getting up in front of, you know, whoever. It's at the American Association of Christian Counselors. So that's that's where he's speaking. The first of the greatest global epidemics is critical race theory. Uh, he says in his talk, this is all from Christianity Today, uh, he says, CRT negates all the biblical teaching about racism because it focuses on systems rather than the sins of the human heart and said that the definition today's definition of social justice is not biblical uh he says with crt they speak structurally the bible speaks individually make sure you get that that's a big difference uh, he went on That's to say, not true. <laughs> sorry, sorry, he, went, sorry, he went on to sorry. say, he says, he went on to say, not all Americans have equal opportunities to succeed. They don't, folks. I do not believe blacks, African-Americans, and many other minorities have equal opportunities. Why? Because most of them grew up in families where there's not an e a big emphasis on education, security. You can do anything you want. You can change the world. If you work hard, you will make it. So many African-Americans don't have those privileges like I was brought up with. So he's saying the privilege of having people who put an emphasis on education and telling you you can do whatever you want. Okay, so let's just pause there for a second. I have a few observations here. And again, he's not the Bruh. only... Dude, Bruh. just hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Okay, so, so, look, I so, got my heart beat up. I know. So let me just say... No, no, this is why this is such a big deal. Uh, so he's not the only one. You can go to the Gospel Coalition... Yes. Gospel Coalition is a big, uh, you know, I'd say in the white conservative world, the Acts 29 world, the um, Tim Keller world, the John Piper world, Kevin DeYoung world. And, and that's a lot, a lot of my listeners. And, and, and for, for, you know, there's good things about the Gospel Coalition and there's a lot of bad things too. And I think one of the bad things is people look to it and sources like it, which is really pre pre predominantly... Um, white men who are controlling, you know, the content here, and they're saying um, that's from God. Like that's our pope. That's our dogma. It's it's like the Third Testament. I think that's how people treat these sorts of sources today. So there's an article here: the incompatibility of critical theory and Christianity. Um, I, I'm not going to quote from it more, uh, but my my point is like with McDowell, you have this dude. Who's, who's running a ministry called Josh McDowell Ministries. He's speaking at the American Association of Christian Counselors. And why does he decide that the greatest global threat to the Christian church is critical race theory? And then he says a bunch of really untrue things about the Bible and a bunch of really untrue things about race and about our history and and and, and to go um 
many people listening to Chase and I talk about this right now will are immediately labeling us. You're a communist. You're a this. You're a that because you're not um, also saying CRT is the greatest threat to Christianity. So I will get to why uh, some helpful ways of understanding um, why this is not a threat and and why I think. It's actually the other way around. It's exposing some extreme sin within um, white evangelicalism that we don't want to deal with. So we go into this extreme like Pharisee mode about this the subject. But before we do that, I just wanted to point out how ridiculous it is that um, so and he made an apology because he got. McDowell got tons of flack for this. So he, he made an apology. He stepped away from, from ministry and, and crew, Campus Crusade for Christ, which is a huge organization. He's affiliated with them. They got a ton of flack. So again, the political dominoes fall. You have to it's you have to make an apology statement. And so now he's um he's, you know, apologizing and, and things like that. But but the the point is this is going on all over the Christian world right now, and I'll talk about some more examples in a minute. But I want to let Chase jump back in here. This is this <laughs> no, is, you don't, bro. This is <laughs> not. This is not isolated to Josh McDowell. This is not isolated to the Gospel Coalition. This is going on uh, at, frankly, uh, my undergrad right now, Cornerstone University. Yeah. This is going on, and I'll talk a little bit about that. This is huge, huge. Churches are are. I got. It's crazy. This is crazy. So, so we got a lot to. We got a lot. We're gonna get to. We're gonna. We got a lot. We're gonna get to. Man, listen. Uh, <laughs> that whole thing just made me all kinds of upset. Um, I. I'm glad you shared it, though. I was aware of it. You know, in terms of like, I'm aware that like, you know, those thoughts, those feelings, they exist. Um, I, I think as a, uh, as a black person who grew up, um, opposite of what that description was, <laughs> um, who, who have, who has, however, experienced the oppression of racism, um, <laughs> firsthand and regularly in my life, um, it, um, it exposes um, our deep need for authentic communication and conversations with one another um, as sisters and brothers in Christ, ultimately. Um, so uh, I, I, I want to say that it is, um, one, I want to go back to something I said earlier, it's not as big as I think that we've made it. And, um, and, and the reason why I say that is because I feel like we have, so this is not a conversation about vaccines but i'm going to use that as an example right like at no point ever in human <laughs> like in our, in our in our history as humans who are alive today <laughs> have we ever made this big of a deal about vaccines about you know immunizations like we have like we are attaching needless polarization to everything right now yeah so i mean so and and critical race theory is the same right like 
20 years ago, so, so, you know, not even 20, like five years ago, somebody says like, hey, I'm not going to give my kids a shot. Okay, I don't care. Like, <laughs> like we're not going like, to right, have a right, whole right. political campaign about it. Like, it just is what it is, right? But now there's a needless polarization. And I think sometimes, like, let's just be real. Sometimes as, as Christians, we take our our responsibility uh, as being light and salt in the earth, which is a uh, is an important part of what it is for us to be. But we take that to an extreme that is not also biblical. Like, like critical race theory is not a Christian concept. It's not. It's not to say that it has that we shouldn't be talking about it, but it's not for the church in that regard. Like, that's not the point. Of course, it's not going to talk about scripture. Of course, it's not going to talk about the Bible because it's not for Christians. It's for people who, who like, who experience the, the the dynamics of how race has played out, on Amer- in, out in America and other parts of the world, period. That doesn't mean that, yes, Christians have experienced that, but... That's like saying that, like, you know, like taking some concept in math and being mad that it doesn't use scripture. Like, it ain't for, (laughs) it's not for scripture, right? However, there are so many things that we can glean from understanding the concepts in critical race theory to understand how we then develop in discipleship and then also how it is that we can also see the stain of racism in us as believers. Um, and whether whether or not you want to see that individually or systemically, it doesn't matter, right? Like there's stains in all of us as it relates to how racism has played out. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 I'm still trying to formulate all of my thoughts about Dude. that whole moment, but <laughs> it's no. So let me read a couple of more lines from that oh, article. The Christianity no, Today. no, this is so this is just I need so, a tranquilizer by the end of this. I, I <laughs> want you and listeners to understand this is not isolated. This is not, yeah. this is not Josh McDowell. This is not, this is not the gospel coalition. So the presidents of the Southern Baptist Convention, which by the way, I believe is the largest Protestant denomination in the world. So, or at least in the U.S. So the presidents of the Southern Baptist Convention seminaries have denounced CRT as incompatible with the denomination statement of faith, a claim that led a number of high-profile black pastors to leave the denomination. Looks like Charlie Dates is one of them. Uh, uh, And the debate uh, over CRT was a key topic at the SBC's 2000. Uh, 21 annual meeting. And then the next line, a nonprofit and founded by, oh, they're bringing the T word into the room because that's all I was thinking while you were talking. A nonprofit founded by former Trump official, Wheaton College graduate Russ Vought uh, has published. So so former Trump official, Wheaton College graduate, Wheaton College, uh, you know, evangelical, big, big school kind of thing, uh, graduate, Russ Vought, he's published a handbook labeling CRT as un-American and outlining, yeah, outlining steps for barring its use in, in local schools. So what you describe about 20 years ago 
we wouldn't be talking about if you get your kid a shot or not. I have a little more freedom now because I'm planting a church. I don't I don't work at a big church anymore. Um, Donald Trump, okay, Donald Trump has <laughs> changed everything about the way w- people, Americans, the polarization, and Christians now uh, talk about things. And here's what I'm saying. Uh- let me just finish. No, you can't. You got to okay, let me go finish ahead, this. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'll let you. I'll let you finish. Because I know some of my listeners are Trump supporters and and whatnot. And here's a couple of prefaces. You can be pro life. God bless you for that. Okay, I I'm pro life. Um, I get it. If you if you felt like this is my best shot, my best chance, whatever. So I'm gonna vote for Trump back in the day. Cool. I I believe. Just I'm going to say it here. It's just a podcast. I'm just a dude. <laughs> That's got to stop. Like Trump is he there's so much that goes along with him. Find another Republican to support. Do not support him. Find somebody else that's pro-life because I know for a lot of evangelicals that is the only issue that they vote on. And 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 find another Republican to support. But but he, that's a whole other podcast too being pro life but that well yeah we'll talk no, about that I later. agree I agree we'll talk about and, that later. and I, I have a, <laughs> but you got to understand that in the white evangelical world um if we we can talk we can talk about that more where we're like if you um that's the only issue that is the only issue that most white evangelicals care about. And so that's a whole nother like history of how we got to the point with this. Right. So, so, okay. but hold Just on real quick. I, you got to let me okay, finish my ahead. thought on Trump. Okay, my, what I'm saying on Trump, because what, what I'm, what I'm saying is if, if all you listen to is Fox news, that is wrong. Like you need to stop. You need to stop. And I don't listen to Fox News. I don't listen to CNN. I don't know the differences. I know the stuff that I hear quoted on Fox News. I know I was in a hotel and I listened to it for 15 seconds. I was shocked and Eesh. appalled by what I heard. It was it 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 confirmed everything I've ever heard about Fox News. When it comes to race, when it comes to racism, when it comes to economics and systemic issues, it it is unbelievable how unchristian that network is and the things that it says about the values of Jesus's kingdom, the kingdom of God and his values and Jesus economy and Jesus metrics. Oh my goodness, it is so opposite of that so i'm just saying this if that's all you listen to you have you have no objectivity to even be able to talk about this stuff and and that's really sad so so you've got to stop you've got to unhook from that and you've you've got to at least allow yourself to hear things from two different sides like you at least got to unplug and i do think it is worse on the right and i know i'm risky here saying this than it is on the left (laughs) because of i'm not saying that the left is more godly than the right i'm not saying that i'm saying that trump has created a whole voting platform around shock around shocking people and around these ridiculous statements about Mexicans and about women and about the, you know, now let's go Brandon is a thing because it's the same as saying F-U-C-K Biden. And so I see signs up around rural West Michigan, let's go Brandon. 
only under Donald Trump. Would that be okay in somebody's front yard? I'm, I'm just saying that it has changed. The, the, the way we talk now it's, is very unchristian. Like the way we talk about things within politics is extremely unchristlike. And I get upset because as I see the church divide over these tell. things, I see, <laughs> I see that many in the church are not, they don't care about Jesus's values when it comes to even how to talk about these issues. So that's what I have to say uh, about well, you the last a, five yeah. years. That's what changed things. I, I okay, I, look, I'm not going to get, I'm honestly not going to get into talking about that. Um, but I, but I, but I will say that I don't believe that it is just. Um, former President Trump. Um, and the only reason why I say that is because we, be, even before former President Trump was even running for office, we were moving toward very rapidly toward an a la carte society anyway, right? Like you can watch what you want without commercials and just, you know, stream what you want without this. Or you can listen to what you want. You don't have to download the whole album anymore. You can <laughs> listen to this podcast. You can have this news station. You can, like, we were already moving in that direction anyway, which uh, how we do, how much of life um, before probably, you know, before about 2010, uh, much of life was still, uh, or in terms of, terms of like media and 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 what you were exposed to was still, for the most part, you had to listen to things that you didn't want to listen to. You had right. to be exposed to things that you perhaps weren't looking for. Um, and as we have moved more and more toward an a la carte way of living, well then you create an environment where that's normal, right? Like if a person can have it their way all the time, then why would they not want it their way all the time? Like you have to, it requires quite a bit of restraint and quite a bit of self-discipline and a value of seeing something from the other side and understanding that us, like neither one of us, you know, there not another one of us have it completely right, right? That, that, <laughs> That requires quite a bit of humility that we as Americans have not been taught to exhibit. We've not been taught to exhibit that kind of humility. So I'm, I, I'm, while I know that um, you know the much of the rhetoric and much of the way in which politics has moved in the last five years under the leadership of former President Trump and under that influence, I would say that at most I would give that uh gas to a fire that already had been burning I not right right and so i so i i say regardless of who was president we'd be here anyway i think that we would be right we may not we may not have gotten here this quickly but we would have gotten to this place of not seeing critical race theory as a as an issue for polarization and specifically a key player in that polarization being the church we would have gotten there anyway um and from a from a societal standpoint, yeah, um, I would just say yeah. he he used that tool to get elected. I agree. Yeah, yeah, and, and I so, agree. So yep. it just that and 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 there's something about us as a, in our flesh, like there's something in us that it's like there's things in our flesh. That, you know, we crave gossip. We crave 
certain tense, you know, unhealthy types of attention. And I think we we crave that that tribalism, that tribal feeling yeah. of those other people are, you know, and then you fill in a blank. And it's it's like it used to be the talk of drunk people at the bar about, <laughs> you know, the people they don't like. And it's it just it, I literally never heard anybody it, say that. Well, it, it that's how it, like and it was true, like, yeah, though. they're drunk at the bar. Of course, they can talk about like F those black people, F those, you know, Mexicans or women are like this. You know, it's just some drunk dudes at the bar. And Trump took that and just made his whole campaign that. And and, and that. that that part of us that's like, ooh, that's kind of that just makes me feel kind of juicy inside. Mm, I, I want to eat that up. We did. We we and, and then the evangelical church ate it up. And and what 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 you what you were saying what reminded me that it was so true like the a la carte stuff and we go all I ever hear is this one this one side this one view it's and so in our churches uh, the evangelical church whether whether we and I'll say we technically I'm still part of it uh, we have a huge black eye culturally now because of the last five years and 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 yeah. a lot of evangelicals don't want to admit that because what we're good at is sticking our heads in the sand and if i only read my books and my my websites and listen to my my tv shows you know news and and i only go to my christian conferences and i only go to my denominations things that i really can feel like that's all that's going on in the world and that's just not, that's just not true. There's people leaving the evangelical church in droves. Uh, many are leaving the church altogether because of this this over the last um, the last five years. And and we've built our churches around this stuff now right. w- without admitting it, but we do it by saying what we're not allowed to talk about. How many white evangelical churches where it's a staff told? You're not allowed to talk about CRT. You're not allowed to talk about George Floyd. You're not allowed to talk about Amart Arbery. You're not allowed to talk about Breonna Taylor. Okay, that is you creating an entire church of people that think in this way and and and, and acting like this is this is dog is God. But even in that, like the reality is that is what CRT is, right? That's so so even in that, like if if there is a rule in one's you know in one's organization that you can't talk about critical race theory or you can't talk about all of these now um murdered black people <laughs> um <laughs> when the foundations of critical race theory is that race plays a factor in every single thing mm. in society. There it is. It's right there. Mm. It not, that list was not of multi-ethnic individuals. Like it was, it wasn't a list of, you know, three or four people of different ethnicities. It was the list of one ethnic group because race plays a part in everything that's connected to um, American civilization. Um, and so, um, so I know, like, I know, I, I know that took us a little bit on a rabbit trail, but I think it's important to recognize, like, the the what the foundation is is not as polarizing as most people are making it. I don't think anybody on this planet would be honest with themselves if they said that race does not play a part in everything. That's 
that's that's going beyond even denial at this point in the game right at this point in human history it's more than denial to say that race doesn't play a part that's a flat-out lie yeah that's a flat-out lie we know way too much we've seen way too much um so um so i think if if we stop if we stop listening to the polarization in terms of the argument and just get to the foundations of what it is, you'll realize this is basic stuff. This is just American history. Um, and you don't even have to look hard to find it anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, so, so yeah, but I will say this from a spiritual standpoint, I think the polarization has more so to do with the fact that uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against powers and principalities and unseen realms and dot, dot, dot. Um, Racism is a principality that is set up shop in the United States in a way that is ridiculous. Um, And um, from a spiritual standpoint, um, I believe that that the principality racism has used uh, a nationalist church. Yes. Good word. Uh, right. A nationalist church, a yes. church that, that has allowed nationalism to become one of its idols. Yes. Um, um, I believe that racism has used national, a nationalist church to perpetuate, um, the ideas of racism to hide, um, the, the reality of, um, racial oppression to benefit from racial oppression uh and um and ultimately that's where some of the separation comes from in, you know in terms of the church uh i think the challenge behind that is like it uses the guise of you know some of the concept that you talked about like uses the guise of being pro-life to hide <laughs> um it's devaluing of all life yeah right which is crazy right like it says that you (laughs) right so uses the guise of having a conservative view of marriage um but has no true foundations for understanding the value of or excuse me being able to 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 live out love in a way that actually upholds marriage right so i think that like all of uh, this, this, um, this, this again, nationalist church. Um, that's the part that we really have to wrestle with. We as believers, we as believers have to be honest with the fact that um, since the United States founding, we have connected our uh, Christianity with nationalism in a way that needs to be separated. Because if we can't separate it, then we'll never be able to see um, racism for what it is, um, a principality that has its grips on the church. Chase, you are an unpatriotic communist. Well, here's the thing about <laughs> see, that. That's the, Let's be real. I, the, I'm, giving, have, an ex- have, right? I'm giving an example of how we talk about these issues. Everything you just said, I, someone's like in our culture today, we just go, unpatriotic communist. I'm for America. I'm against everything you just said. It's like. <laughs> yes. And that and and that's when I lovingly point to that's an idol. Right. Like in the. So, right. Because if you say that I, if you if we both call ourselves 
um, believers, then that means we have an allegiance to one another that supersedes our, supersedes our allegiance to this country. And you then have now created a space of distance and separation simply because we have a disagreement in terms of ideology, right? So yeah. that's what I call an idol because anything that causes you to not be able to love me like you love yourself <laughs> basically says, oh, then I, don't, I get to veto Christ's commandment to love my neighbor as myself because he disagrees with me. And that is trash. <laughs> That's that's idol that's that's idolatry, right? I think maybe three years ago I would have called that immaturity, but again, we know too much now. We done lived through this pandemic and yeah. we've lived through this this polarization. It's okay for us to call that idolatry. The truth is I have sisters and brothers that in Christ who are communists, and I have an allegiance to them that supersedes my allegiance to capitalism. That's just the truth. That's good word. That's how, right, right. My king, the kingdom that we're a part of, is not an American kingdom. It is a, it is a, it's the kingdom of God, which is beyond even just global, <laughs> right? So this stretches across the globe and into the spirit realm. Yeah. So your my economic, <laughs> you know, have no bearing in that space. Um, that doesn't mean that I don't value some of the some of the principles of capitalism. But if that causes me to have hatred in my heart or even enmity between my brother or my sister and I, then I have an idol that I need to let go of. By the way, if you're listening and you're offended by this conversation and you are deciding you're never going to listen to the flip side again, I just want to blame Alan for this. Uh, Alan emailed the show and asked this question. So it wasn't like Chase and I were just like, yo, what should we talk about today? Let's let's talk about CRT and and uh, half of my audience will never listen again. No, it was all Alan. It was all him. If you want to email Alan, cool, just let me know and I'll give you his email address. You guys can hammer him. He asked the question. All we're doing... All we're doing is responding to the mailbag. That's all this is right now. So totally. If they Alan's made it fault. this far, if they made it this far into this episode let, and they're still listening, then I'm sure we're me, fine. Let me tell you this: <laughs> Noah's Noah's rant today is gonna taste very mild. Uh, Noah's rant is gonna be like the. Bro, mi- you already had your no, rant today. <laughs> Noah's rant will be like the mild sauce at Taco Bell, you know, that just kind of goes on the taco and you just, just just mild, you know. It's just gonna be the mild. Noah's mild rant, like smooth jazz. We'll play some smooth jazz in the background. We'll just oh do Noah's gosh. Noah's rant, like ch- chill time. That's like- it's a Kenny G rant. We're gonna call it a Kenny G rant. <laughs> Kenny G rant. I have a couple of things uh, that I, about CRT that I wrote down, and then I'll and then I'll uh, I'll I'll, cl- I'll stop. So this is just meant to be helpful. So I'm done with being upset. Um, I honestly think I've been talking about race stuff since really 2008 is when it began for me, and and most of my most of my conversation has in a sense has been in the the white world helping white folks understand what's going on and i think to a degree uh i've I've been moderately successful at that because i normally don't do things like i did over the last 25 minutes uh but that's okay so um a couple things about crt when i hear you know these objections whether it's from mcdowell or this gospel coalition article or whatever and i also let me throw in too before i get to my point um I don't know how to say his name because I haven't heard it said, but um, 
Vadi Bachman or Vodi Bachman. Have you heard that name, Chase? Uh, I've heard it. I too don't know. Okay, that I so know how to so he's it properly. He's a black guy, black preacher, and he is uh, he basically famous now. Made a name for himself on being extremely against CRT. Uh, and he's got a book uh, out this year called Fault Lines. And basically the whole thing is about um, it's kind of like what Josh McDowell said. He, he, would, he would be very much in line with everything McDowell said as a, as a black guy. Uh, and so and, and, and just uh, I've, I've heard several, you know, folks, white folks point to him. Hey, he says this. Um, so I kind of want to get your thoughts on that for a second, Chase. Um, but but so I, I heard a sermon of his. He mentioned some of these things. Again, they're in these articles. The, the number one thing that I hear people saying is uh, CRT teaches white people. It teaches every. So they'll say CRT is divisive. It divides us. And we don't want that. We don't need that. We don't want to be divided. We want to be united. So So it divides us because it teaches that white people are racist. And so it will teach like a white kid in school to be ashamed of being white because they're, they're racist. Uh, and it teaches, you know, kids of color and everything to like look down on white people, basically to, to, to point to white people and go, you're racist, you know, you're bad. Um, I, I think that's, that's the number one objection where, and I think that's, that's the thing I keep hearing people come back to, uh, on why this is this is the uh, the biggest threat to Christianity, and first of all, it's like how does that that's not a threat to Christianity, even if that were true, even if that was what it was saying. Um, but anyway, to be helpful, uh, because I, I I've learned a lot of this stuff before it was ever called CRT. That's my point. Uh, it was just like like we did a lot of ministry to refugees uh, at our church in Lansing before uh, Trump made it like anti-Christian to love refugees. You know, it's just like, so uh, that's how I feel about CRT a bit as well. Um, so, um, no, honestly, I'm just trying to be helpful here. And if you hated everything I said before that, just listen to this. So I do think the way we define racism is confusing. I do. I will say that. Oh, and, yes. And, and the way we use words like white supremacy is confusing. Okay, and the confusing is the best word for it because it's not a matter of right or wrong. It's confusing uh, because when a white person and 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 we can go back and forth on this a little because like I'm the mind of a white person. That's what I have. I grew up with it, right? And it's it's natural. So when we hear white supremacy, we automatically think of skinheads. We automatically think of the Nazis. We think of the KKK. That's white supremacy. And then if you hear a lot of uh, like an like an anti-racist uh, book, uh, like How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi, or uh, if you were to if you were to listen to maybe a, a CRT you know talk, they might use the word white supremacy. And when they use it, they're using it to define. In our nation's history up until today, we have systems like you and I talked about in episode 55, like redlining, redlining very yeah. specifically in the letter of the law. Uh, you can quote it from the like we did on the episode. Um, they they made whites supreme when it came to 
your ability to buy a home in a nice neighborhood. They made white supreme when it came to the ability to buy to, to get money from the government. The government would give you money uh, as a loan uh, to buy your home. And so they're saying um, they're, whites, the, the system is vastly tipped in the favor to to put whites at the top, which would be the supreme position. So... You want to jump in. Go ahead and jump in, but I got more to say. Okay. 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 Go. This, Go. Do this it. This is Give really, it it's really important. Like, it's really important. One, uh, I had this really, really good conversation with a, uh, a member of our church family um, here at Eunice in Christian Church. And um, a white guy, uh, we were talking about, um, we we're talking about race and stuff like that. And, um, and he, described for me what I've never been able to really wrap my head around why the concept of white privilege is such a problem. Um, and he fully, like fully aware of it. Like we've had really good conversations in the past, but he said like, when you say like, again, white supremacy or white privilege to a white person, it's like, I've not gotten any privileges or I don't, you know, like there's nothing supreme about being white. Um, but the, the truth is it's, not about what you've gotten it's what about it's about what other people aren't getting it is it's less about what you've been given because we describe getting a loan as a normal thing because it is normal right but it is normal to it has only historically been normal to whites it hasn't been normal to other people groups in the United States yeah. to be able to do so, right? So you get normal and are, and are, uh, and you, what's the word to use? Oh, it is that you are saved from the, uh, saved from the, ex the, the negative experience um, of what it is to not be white. Not that you get extra stuff, you get you what go. is normal in America. Yeah. And everyone else gets less than normal in America. Right. And so that and so 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 that that surreal and that surreal moment of trying to understand what white supremacy is, white supremacy is what everyone has taught us about what American culture should be. And if you aren't white, you don't get to experience that. Like that's the that's the interesting. Thing. I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, yeah, that yeah. blew my whole mind. That's good, <laughs> man. No, no, I'm that's in, that's where I think we could. I don't want to. I'm not trying to be spineless here and say, oh, we actually all agree because we don't. But I do think there's a lot more middle ground where if we could slow down the horse, and that's what we're doing right now. That's why we're doing it. Yeah, and we could unpack some of the. The definitions of some of the words that we use. So, for so example, on yeah. my end, I was talking to a white pastor about what we're doing with Mosaic, and I was using words like anti-racist and things like that. And you know, he he's just a, fr a good friend, good dude, good heart. And he's like, "Hey, could we talk about that? You know, next time we meet." Um, he goes, "Because I want to learn about it, but I always feel like I just." It's an instant shutdown to a person, to a white person. It's an instant shutdown to a white person. This is paraphrasing what he said. When the first things you hear are, you're racist, uh, you're privileged. When as a white person, you kind of go, I didn't really do anything. Like you're, you're, you know, I, I, I'm just living, you know, I just, uh, you know. so right. again, 
I want to, I honestly, honestly want to validate that as a, a fair, like a fair, absolutely, a fair, it's real. Um, what's even the word I'm looking for? Like a fair, uh, like, 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 like I'm saying, like Alex, I'm trying to get the word out. Um, a fair, it's not rebuttal, but when a white person hears a talk on white supremacy, white privilege, these buzzwords, that's a fair response to kind of go, oh, like maybe just when you say those words, I, I feel really attacked and I didn't do anything. Like it'd be different if I went over to Chase's house and I burned a cross in his front yard and I and I and I threw bricks in his window. Then yeah, point the finger at me. Like that's racism, right? And I get it. I get it. So we really do need to be more responsible. That's a good word I think I'm getting at. We need to be more responsible in the ways that we use these words, okay? So so that's a really good nugget that you and I have uncovered in this. I want to get back to kind of trying to tie the bow on, on what I was saying about the CRT stuff and white people and racism and stuff. So so the system, so for example, I love uh, one of the main facilitators in core. She's a, a white lady in her 60s. She's one of the founding members. And she would always... I don't remember, at, at one point in the segments of the workshop, she would say, um, you know, my my name is, you know, Janice, and I am a racist. She would say that. And and what and and ever, you know ever, the reason she would say that is because she's talking about the way like Ibram X. Kendi and how to be an anti-racist will define racism and anti-racism. And and what he's saying is that we do and what we've we've talked about it's historically true look at redlining as i think the easiest to understand example we live in a racist society so uh divided by faith uses the word a racialized society we live in a racialized society so that's a helpful word they're trying to create a new word so we we know that and so kendi ibram x kendi is saying if you do things that try to fix the racialized society. If you look at the racialized society and go, hey man, this is whack. Like this is messed up. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Let's fix it. Let's let's do things that make it equal. That's called anti-racism. You're doing something to intentionally fix it. And and, and what he would say, and, and, and what Janice I think was saying too, and what CRT says is if you don't do those things uh, and if you do things instead that allow the system to continue just like a like like a, a train running down the tracks with nothing to stop it you're just letting this unjust system continue that is racist because you're allowing the racist system to continue now I think they are right I agree with Kendi I agree with that idea but i think (laughs) we really shouldn't use the same terminology because it isn't helpful it freaks white people out unnecessarily and i'm not shaming white people here i'm saying i think white people have a legitimate claim of going you know racism means this and everything i've ever been taught and you're using it to mean this I think we would find more common ground if we talked more about maybe a racialized society than saying you're racist because you're white, because you're contributing to a racist system that you're benefiting from. I I get it where people 
push back on that because in their mind they're going, I'm not racist. Don't call me racist. Does that make sense what I'm trying to be helpful with there? I think it does make sense. I agree that we do need to have better. um, I love the word that you use, be more responsible with our language. Uh, I think that's actually the the challenging thing about language is language is always evolving and things are always being attached to words that may or may not actually be a part of them, right? Like that's, I mean, even part of like how slang works. (laughs) Um, I think about like, you know, when when I was in high school, we used to call each other dog all the time. Yo, what up dog? Like, (laughs) but I mean, it's not, (laughs) <laughs> you're not actually dogs like right <laughs> um crt something has become attached to it that yeah. has is not true crt does not at the foundations of what critical race theory is excuse me the fa- foundation of what critical race theory is has nothing to do with saying all white people are racist <laughs> that's not the same thing they're not connected. That's why I said before, like people attach other things and it starts and it begins to morph. At, but I think that's how, how language works is it's ever evolving. Um, and so how we understand racism now probably has four or five hundred different ways of you know presenting itself. Um, I actually disagree with the concept that um, that a person who is not actively acting against um, racism is uh, is a racist. I don't agree with that concept um, uh, because because there's I feel like there's so many other nuances to it than active oh, yeah. participation yeah. in alleviating it. Right, and I, and um, and so I, I. But again, I think to your point, we're, you're right. We do have to be very responsible with how we do it. And I think the most, the, the, the healthiest way to do that is in community, right? Like the beautiful thing about how slang works <laughs> is that, you know, especially before like the, the, you know, explosion of social media is like slang was very um, geographical, right? Yeah. It was based upon location. Slang in California was not the same as slang in New York and slang in Atlanta was not the same as slang in Seattle, right? And so how how language evolved was based upon a locale. Well, I mean, I think the same thing is true for how we navigate stuff like this too. How we in West Michigan have to navigate critical race theory is not the same as people in Mississippi, Let's be real. Mm. It's not the same. It's not to say that it doesn't have the same foundations, but how we navigate it, we can't try to into, we can't try to engage with something that is such that is so deep and so intimately connected to us and to our identity as Americans as critical race theory, and assume that we can uh, apply a broad stroke all the way from you know sea to shining sea. Like that's not how this works. Yeah. Right there are nuances to this thing that are based upon where we are, who we are and when we are. Um, and, um, and if we don't acknowledge that, then we do we, there, we, then we do create this, this environment where we're having a con- we're having two different conversations at the same time for and multiple conversations at the yeah. same time, yeah. because it's going to always be different. So yeah. I encourage people, if you're going to talk about this, 
Like it's okay to 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 talk about it. It's good to talk about it. But talk about it with people who are who are experiencing similar realities to you in terms of location and time period. Don't try to, you know, go back and say that, you know, doc, you know, that Dr. Seuss was a racist. Like, pause. <laughs> it's a completely different Dr. time Seuss. period. Get off my Dr. Seuss, right? <laughs> but uh, but but also recognizing that if that that if you're not having this conversation in relationship, then you're missing the opportunity to actually allow it to be impactful and not just a random debate. Yeah. And with that, you know, talking about it with people in your, you said, you know, in, in your region, but I, I think to be going back to what you said earlier, do that with diversity. So, and, and that goes on both sides of the fence here. And that's the point I'm trying to make. So, so, if like I'm talking to a white buddy of mine the other day, good friend, like super good friend. So I'm not, I'm not dissing him. I'm not bashing him. He's one of my best friends, but most of his world, most of his contacts are, are white. And so he was asking me some questions about what we're doing at mosaic and, and things like that. And if you're talking about CRT and you're white with a bunch of other white people, you're talking about CRT with a bunch of white Republicans, or if you're you, you, the only black uh, kind of influences are people like Vody Bachman, Vody Bokman, Vody Vody Bachman. Basically, yep, people p- people that are getting rich, people that are getting really, really rich uh, and famous off of their message. Um, uh, uh, you know, what I'm saying is, you can have those conversations, but it's really important that you have the conversations with. Uh, people of color that are actually experiencing, you don't have to use even, I mean, CRT, it's like, who cares? Like I said, 15 years ago, uh, 2008, however many years ago that was ish, uh, 20, you know, that, that it wasn't called CRT. We were just talking about the issues. And that's what I think it's helpful to get back to talk to people that were raised uh, in the hood, talk to people about what that was like. In fact, uh, you should know what it's like to be raised in the hood, even if you're white and suburban, because you should have relationships in your life uh, as a Christian with other Christians that have different experiences from you. You should you should be able to live it out and experience. But the problem is when back to being siloed, we get in those silos and then we just make assumptions and then we just listen to Fox News and Fox News will tell me what it's like if you if you were raised, you know, in the hood. Uh, so, so I, I think that <laughs> the diversity of conversation is so important and it goes the other way too. And I'm going to end here. I think, yeah. um, I agree with you that I also disagree partially with Ibram X. Kendi and those others who are saying you're racist if you're not actively being anti-racist, right? The, the reason is I think we can get with a bunch of other anti-racists in the activist circle and in the world and and in that in that world whether it's on Twitter or it's at a conference and we can really get on a soapbox and we can talk about a lot of these things and get a lot of amens from our tribe of anti-racists not realizing that the language we're using is really reckless and if our point was to help Uh, Let's just say in the Christian world, I want to help my brothers and sisters understand scripture better. I want to help them understand that God cares about the oppressed. God cares about injustice. 
I want to help them understand it and apply this to their life as Christians because this is the Bible. This is God's heart yeah. that I I have to be more responsible with my language and and to use such stark you're either for me or against me. I'll I'll say it. It's a lot of what I blame Trump for, right? A lot of that and and, and we we can do that. <laughs> I see that coming in a way, right? From from the other the anti-racist side to say you're either all, you know, you're, you're you're either all racist or you're all anti-racist. Um, even though, let me give Kendi some props too. He starts his book out by saying all the ways that he's racist on a regular basis. So he's just using the term in such a different way. And whenever we yeah. do that, we've probably got to come up with a new term because it's just not helpful if you and I are talking about any concept, any word, and we're thinking in our brains two completely different things when we say the word racism or we say the word, I don't know, coffee or whatever it might be. Uh, angry we, brew. Angry brew. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah. I think I think one thing that's I think an important thing to all this conversation, like many other conversations in life, require an enormous amount of humility. Right. You can't enter in this conversation arrogantly. Um, and and what I mean by that is um, just from a basic scientific standpoint, um, any pattern needs to be examined. As though it has validity. So the pattern is most of the people of color in the United States talk about race as a determining factor in their level of success in our country that deserves examination that period that's all that right and not it deserves to be you you it deserves to be proven right proven wrong it's not that it deserves for you to change the way you think it's not that it deserves for you to call yourself racist it deserves a humble examination of the science that most people of color in the United States believe race has played a factor in their level of success. The, you never look at a scientific, uh, you never look at scientific data based upon the exception. Because that means we would never have Tylenol, we'd never have Excedrin, we would never have any medication because all of them end up with exceptions. We cannot look at any of the people who make their way to the top of the conversation that are an exception in this conversation and say that they give reason for denouncing that, that truth. We have to look at the patterns. And if we humbly examine the pattern, truth will actually reveal itself. You don't even have to work hard. Boom. Did you just say you don't have to work hard to be successful? Is that what you're saying? Get out of here. <laughs> Dude. Woo! Communist. No. communist. Did you just say did you just admit to being you a un- communist? You you unpatriotic unpatriotic <laughs> what I can't even say the word. Unpatriotic <laughs> communist. Uh we we need to be able to laugh about this stuff, honestly. Yes. We do. We do. Uh, so blame Alan. Uh, I'll post his email in the show notes. You guys can uh, you guys uh, put his Don't address. Don't put his email on. in. Do not put his email in here. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man, good. Actually, let me let me close with this. There's an episode. I'll see if I can Google it real quick. Um, uh, Pastor Thabiti Anyabuli. He was interviewed by uh, Preston Sprinkle on uh, Theology in the Raw. If I could type here, Theology in the Raw podcast is Preston's podcast. Preston's been on Flipside a couple times. Uh, Theology in the Raw with Thabiti. Let me get you that episode. Um, anyway, he interviewed him about uh, CRT. And if you want to understand CRT, uh, it was probably the best perspective from Thabiti that I've ever, just as someone who doesn't know a lot about the, you know, I want to learn about what it is. And anyway, so check out episode 844 uh, of Preston's podcast, Theology in the Raw, and um, Thabiti left, I want to say, oh, I listened to it, and I don't remember. He left, I think he left a Southern Baptist convention as well uh, over this, mm. and he talks about that, um, and it maybe he left Acts 29, I don't remember, I don't want to start some rumor here on the flip side, but I'm I'm pretty sure he left... Um, Let's see if I he can. left somewhere. You need he to left s- somewhere. Chase, speak, uh, give some filler so I can Google uh, if the BD oh. left uh, Acts twenty nine um, and Southern Baptist or just uh, yeah. Give me some filler talk here. So uh, once upon a time, there was a boy <laughs> named Noah Philippiac, <laughs> and uh, he was a, a, a handsome white guy, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, this, this, and so, realized he was white. Oh, I don't go. think he. I don't think maybe he was a part of X twenty nine. I think what I'm thinking of is the Gospel Coalition. Let me check. Uh, he left somewhere. He Look, left somewhere. Gone. They talk about he it in someplace. episode eight forty four. Go check out eight forty four. <laughs> Do not quote anything I just said. He left somewhere. Uh, anyway, you I can quote that. Episode eight forty four. Theology and Ross. Super super good. So. Yeah, man, uh, we're uh, man. I'm ready for Noah's rant. So that was that okay. was a lot. That was that was good. Uh, See? Pre- preview next episode. Um, I'm going to be interviewing Rob Dixon. He is mm. uh, author with InterVarsity Press. Uh, just came out with a book called Together in Ministry. We're going to be talking about women in ministry because CRT not controver- <coughs> not controversial enough. So. We're going to talk about women in ministry, and um, <laughs> next time Chase and I are together, uh, we may revisit that conversation as well. So teaser, teaser, stay tuned, teaser. Yes. If I haven't given you enough reason to stop listening to the flip side, I'm sure the next two episodes will will justify that. So. All right. Uh, once a once a flipopotamus, always. A That's right. Once, always, you are what you are. So, you've been flipped. You've been, <laughs> been flipped. There's flip. You've been flipped off. Actually, we have a group. We have a group, a little group that likes to be called the flipped off as their name, and so they've claimed that. So there's siren is playing the alarm sound, and uh, I tell you, I was listening to one of my episodes recently, and I don't listen to all of them anymore, but I wanted to hear how this one came out and. I tell you, it is the most awkward transition in podcast history to go from the topic of the day to nose rant. So the the, the, the alarm is meant to tell you all to stop listening. Uh, you you don't 
want to hear how I'm leaving there. You don't want to hear how dumb Noah's rant is. Uh, it, it, it is not intelligent. It is an attempt at humor. And this is your warning that if you keep listening, it is it is your fault. So, Chase, it's been I'm real. I'm leaving because I can listen. I am not even interested in hearing that. Dog. <laughs> dog. Remember, dog. keep it Kenny G. Keep it Kenny G. Oh. Hey, so... When it comes to uh, when it comes to slang, you talked about dog. We got to talk about the word dope next time. Oh yeah, right. it'll be dope. All right. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> yeah. Noah's rant. All right. Well, if you thought. This episode, 57, couldn't get any more controversial than it already has. You were wrong. Because Noah's rant today, we are taking you beyond the, beyond what is, beyond the polarities, beyond, can't, I guess I'm saying the word beyond, because it's from beyond the battle, beyond what is socially acceptable to have civil conversation. It is one of the most controversial topics of our day. And that is when you go to a conference or anywhere, workshop, gathering, and you are handed a lanyard name tag. We've all been there. We've all been at the conference where you are handed the lanyard name tag. The lanyard being the necklace with the clippy on it and in a little plastic sheet has a piece of paper in it and it has your name on it. And so that's great. It's really wonderful because you're talking to people and and you're you're having conversation. You know their name and they know your name. And it's beautiful because the lanyard name tag is doing a great job. I cannot count how many conferences I have been at when the lanyard name tag is only one-sided. A one-sided lanyard name tag. And, And so what that means is the other side of the lanyard name tag is blank. And what that means is Every time you actually want to see somebody's name, the lanyard name tag is flipped around because that's the way things work. Is It is always the way you don't want it to be. And someone's trying to say your name or you're trying to remember somebody's name and the lanyard name tag is faced the wrong direction. It, it's... Its only purpose in existence is to communicate to other people what that person's name is. And as as we pause and reflect on the epidemic of one-sided lanyard name tags, it's almost, it's so prevalent. It's almost as if there is no solution to the one-sided lanyard name tag. It is almost as if this is simply a result of, of the fallen world that we live in. We live in a world marred by sin, broken in Genesis 3. And one of those ramifications is lanyard name tags only work half the time. 
and they never work when you really need them to work. It's almost as if there's not a solution to this, where if the person who was creating the lanyard name tags only would print out another copy of your name. And, and it, it would be an identical copy as the first side. And they would they would actually stick it into the plastic sheet of the lanyard badge as well. And so then when the lanyard name tag flipped around, the other side would communicate the exact same information as the first side and that would be your your name and then nobody would be able to tell the two sides apart and your name would actually be communicated to everyone at the conference that you're trying to have communications with so you 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 can tell that this epidemic is one where the solution seems so far out of out of touch out of grasp and so we we need to we need to pray for for our brothers and sisters that organize conferences we need to pray for those that print off the the name badges because this is not an easy thing this is not an easy fix this is not an easy solution there's a there, there there's a lot of layers and complexity that goes into printing out two of the same name and then just sticking them back to back in, in that piece of plastic it, it is very challenging because if it were easy everybody would do it right if it was easy you'd never go to a conference where where there only was a one-sided lanyard name tag but but look next time you're at a conference just pay attention it, does your lanyard have a name on both sides and I'm betting it doesn't because I've been to a lot of conferences and and most of them don't most of them don't and what I want you to do is I want you to go to the the person that that organized the conference and I, I want you to say look there there's hope there's hope for you there's hope for the world and 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 and, and the hope <laughs> let me just pause for a second so you don't you don't quote that all together Okay, the hope that we have for a conference lanyard name tag badges, it's called Noah's Rant. And, and Noah's Rant exists to make the world a better place. And tell them, say, hey, episode 57 was created just for you. And, and you, you probably want to skip the whole first hour and 25 minutes where these two guys talk about critical race theory and... And Donald Trump, and you'll you'll it'll be highly offensive to you. So you want to skip that, but go to the end. Go to Noah's rant. Go until you hear Tarzan flying into a shards of glass, breaking a window, and listen closely. And there there is hope for you for the next time you organize a conference. Uh, this this epidemic of one sided uh, name tags. There is a solution for you, and, and and Noah's rant will tell you all about it. And so, brothers and sisters, I mean that is what Noah's rant exists for. It exists to make the world a better place, and I believe we've done that today. Thank you for listening to episode fifty seven of the Flipside. We talk about the grit of life, and that is what we did today. And I appreciate you listening, honestly. We try to have fun with it as well. We try to keep things light. Email the show, podcast at beyondthebattle.net. 
Would love to interact with you more. Stay tuned for next episode when I interview Rob Dixon on his book, Together in Ministry, and we talk about women in ministry leadership. I will see you next time on The Flip Side. The Flip Side with Noah Filipiak is a South Francis Press production. Copyright Noah Filipiak, www.noahfilipiak.com. Theme music by Kyle Lake at K Lake Music. Use with permission. Please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. Souls needing revivals, what am I do? Influence like the cup full of that Bombay. Kelly's to them Tom Hanks, Lexus to them Andres. Hoping they check in my inner reverence, stressing for leverage. That they see the king's tracks on the pavement leading to heaven. Yow, yow, dripping in that God that don't perish. People selling fake, see the green around their belly. Taking refuge in his hand, see his poems, my living quarters. Close them when I'm finished, it's time to bring me closer. There's no purgatory, cause you're in or you're out. When you see him in the clouds, then you know it's going down. Raise them, raise them, raise them. They've been sleeping for some ages. Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred. Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list. Money probably long, but short is with your days. Have you ever heard the sound of freedom? Quickly, bars from the spirit, put it through the preamp and mix it like a chemist. Put it in the airwaves and hoping that they hear it. If there's some confusion, then I hope you see him clearly. Raise them, raise them, raise them. They've been sleeping for some ages. Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred. Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list. Money probably long, but sure it's with your daisies.